any like long stretches where we're all together because I think that the universe would be out of balance. Well, it'll come in the winter when we're all frozen and don't can't go anywhere. Yeah, but that'll be different then because our, our energy is going to be at a point of like it's going to be kept at bay by the cold. We're not even going to be at full go. It's pretty much a rule here in Minnesota that uh, once the state fair is over, all people talk about is the weather. Yeah. It's like this is the last good day. It's going to be in the 60s next week. Literally go anywhere. Oh, hey. How's it going? <laughs> uh, good sun we got out there today. Last day. It's going to be real cold next week. Get ready for the frost. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, this podcast is brought to you by the Minnesota winter. Minnesota winter. Winter is coming. Bringing you podcasts all day. Yeah. We're also doing a video version of this podcast today. So I'm trying not to look at the camera. It's okay to look at the camera. It's actually good to look at the camera, I think. I don't know. Am, are you photogenic? Am I photogenic? What is photogenic? And is it the same as videogenic? Are those different? <laughs> videogenic? Uh, that sounds like uh, something bad. Videogenic? Yeah. No. That's good. Uh, but we are, yeah, we're going to be uploading a video version of this on YouTube. Uh, not really because we think we're beautiful and want to be on video. But uh, I just... You are beautiful. I think you deserve to be on video. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, I mainly think it's just another way for us to uh, share what we're talking about, invite people into the conversation. And uh, so if you're on YouTube, you can look up Corner Church and subscribe to the YouTube channel there. They also have some cool videos from stories from people a couple years ago. Um, uh, Sarah's... Baptism video will be on there later today. That's cool. So you can see stuff like that. Um, but we will continue to do the podcast version as well because uh, we like the podcast version. So Yeah. Um, what do you think Christians from a thousand years ago, if they were to time travel to now, and they didn't come to one of our gatherings, but they just saw a video, what would they think? What would they think of it? I feel like they'd just be, their brain would be going crazy with like, I hear these people, but where are they? They're on the screen. Yeah. Are they behind the screen? But nothing's behind the screen. I've, I've seen the, those videos of, uh, like, I love how animals, when they see themselves in the mirror, how they respond. I think it'd be a lot like that. Hmm. Just like, what is happening? What's going on? Yeah. This is crazy. Where are the tiny people in the TV? The tiny TV people. Yeah. Uh, what's going on this week? All the things. I don't actually know what's going on this week. My brain is just well, next week, stuck on fall retreat. And well, fall retreat's coming two weeks, I think. Uh, it's basically tomorrow. Two and a half weeks? Uh, basically two weeks from today, we're yeah. taking off. Yeah, and there's still openings. Um, the price has gone up a little bit, but if you were waiting to see your work schedule, to know your school schedule, any of those things, um, waiting to see if you were invited to that wedding... It's two weeks out. You're probably not invited. You're probably not. Sorry. <laughs> you can come to my wedding. Yeah. That was in the past. That was in the past. Good luck. Um, but yeah, sign up for Fall Retreat. Come join us. Um, it's my favorite thing we get to do as a church. It's like right up there with connection groups for me. 
And so I invite you to come be a part of that. Just get away together. And then speaking of connection groups, next week is the start of this next it's season. Starting. Yeah. This is a long season because we go September through December. The beginning of December. Yeah. yeah. It's a long season. This is a good chunk of time where you can connect with people in our community. And uh, I really encourage if you're thinking about getting involved in a connection group and you don't know which one to get involved in, uh, pick somebody who's leading a group who's not part of the community that you go to on any given Sunday. If you're someone who attends our community and if you are not part of the Corner Church world but are interested in connection groups, um, they're really just a great opportunity for people to gather and do things together. We talk about this idea of like, we want to do life together. It's a cool <laughs> idea, but we don't often go there. Connection groups are a really practical way to actually do that. Really actually having life together. We'll do it. Get yeah. involved. I would say group. connection groups, I think, are more important than our Sunday morning gatherings. Um, you can't say that. You're a pastor. I think it is, though. You're like, not allowed to say that. One, they're, they're community-led. You're not allowed to say that. There's really high value of that. But two, it's uh, it's just a commitment to, like you said, do life together, mm-hmm. whether it's a book club or something yeah. more fun than a book club. I was going to say, or something fun, but I guess <laughs> a book club can be fun. Hey, book clubs are fun. There's quite a few book clubs. I'm surprised. I would say that most of us on any given Sunday, we feel some kind of pressure to kind of make a version of ourselves that we want people to see and the value that we find on a Wednesday night over dinner or Thursday night playing games with people or reading in a book club. Um, there's just not the same pressure a lot of times. And so there is a lot more value sometimes in the connection group atmosphere. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. So pick a group, be involved. Um, you can do more than one, but I would say for most people, our schedules are crazy. Just pick one that you can be committed to. Um, there's even a bowling group. So yeah. if you want to flash back to the 60s and go bowling, I guess you can do that. I hate bowling. I hate bowling too. <laughs> so no offense to anybody who's going to join the bowling group. I just hate bowling. I'm bad at it. Uh, I'm also really bad at it. <laughs> and I'm not good at bowling. It's the weirdest thing. Well, It's up yeah. there with like a roller rink. But here's the thing that you'll disagree with me on. Bowling is as weird as golf. No. You're taking a ball that's the wrong size and putting it in a place where it never belongs anyway. Like, do something else. But pins. Pins have got to be the weirdest thing to ever Or you could hit a tiny ball 500 yards and try and get it in a tiny hole. Yeah. That's weird. And so is throwing a 15-pound ball down an oiled lane into (laughs) cork... <laughs> Fabricated wood things. Oh man. Yeah. It's I mean sports in general are weird. Yeah. We like to hit things. You like to hit things. Well, you don't get to hit things in bowling. Well you do, it's just it's like you're living vicariously well, through the bowling through ball. Through the ball, yeah. I guess that's fair. Yeah. Anyways, that's that it. Was a tangent yeah. on bowling for you. That was good. We're gonna be jumping into James here in a minute, um, but we're gonna do a quick break because I guess that's what we do. This is what we do. Maybe we should stop doing breaks now. Just stop doing. We them? just just roll right in, or just do like we have to make a video break. We'll be right back. We we'll see you in a moment. Finger guns. <laughs> Brother Jesus, this guy, which I didn't know this before. Do you think Jesus called him, bro? Uh, 
I'm, I'm Jesus was super holy, so I probably never used the word bro. No? Broseph? Yeah, he probably called them brethren. Brethren. All the time. Or m- beloved. Uh, I don't like that. I like, I like taking words like that and making them chill. Like walking into a room full of people. What's up, my beloved? What's up, my brethren? <laughs> There's just like something good about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll disagree. <laughs> <laughs> it feels very 1993 to me. Uh, In a good way. You know, where my brother was born. I kind of long for the 90s sometimes. Other times I don't. Yeah, the 90s are alive and well in Portland. It's a good time. Have you been to Portland? No. You should go to Portland. No, I'm, I, I don't go anywhere. I go to Aldi <sighs> once a week. <laughs> go to Aldi. That's my travel. Oh. Yeah. So James, brother of Jesus, martyred for his faith. He writes this letter to all these believers, Jewish believers. They were following the way of Jesus. They were being persecuted for it. And James is seen as like one of the most... like scared... Yeah, I'd be afraid. Mm-hmm. But James is one of the earliest writings. This was like 30 or 40 years after Jesus was alive and went resurrected. And it reads like Proverbs a little bit, but there's there's kind of this one focal point that we talked about last week in chapter one, where James talks about pure religion being taking care of the orphan and the widow, keeping yourself from being defiled by the world. And he goes into these next four chapters talking about here's all these issues and kind of how you can keep what's important important. And he's really direct about it, which is hard for me sometimes. Like, I like when these things are written with like, a, I believe in you. I think you're doing great. Yeah, well, here's a couple fuzzy, things to encourage you. Because I, you know, I'm Minnesotan and like... <laughs> Hey, I don't, I don't want to step on any toes. I, I think you're doing a great job. I just want to point out a couple things. And yeah. Here's a couple constructive criticisms. You can take them if you want. No. James just James is the one that just walks in the room and says, hey, you need to do this. <laughs> or stop doing that. Don't do that. Yeah. Do no. This. No. <laughs> yeah. Scott's good at no. Yeah. 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 I think James was a lot more like me and Scott than he was like you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that except thanks. I just think you're you're more kind. I'm learning to be uh, direct when it's really important. Because sometimes it's important. Yeah. And so James is writing to this group of people that uh, they were all very similar, right? Mm-hmm. Like they were Jewish people, so subset of the world. Who also recognized Jesus as God. Yep. So even stricter grouping. Yep. And then these people had seen Stephen be stoned. Yeah. And so they all ran. So they're all on the run. So like, I don't know how big that group was. I imagine like 40 max, maybe. Yeah. I don't know how big it was at the time. And so he's writing to this group and uh, he writes these words and eventually we'll get into it a little later, but he talks about like favoritism or how you view each other, how you view other people and how that impacts and how it's actually not a great thing. And so we're going to start on Sunday by talking about uh, people, giving people the chance to write their favorites. And so we have a list of 10 favorite things. And I always hate favorite. Like if people like, where's your favorite place to eat? I'm like, well, I have 43 of them. Yeah. I don't, I don't like picking one. Yeah. That's the thing is, Having multiple favorites, does that take away from something being a favorite? Or does 
That just means you get to have more favorites. I don't know. I, like, I, I have the internal struggle. Is I I think you can only have one favorite. Like a favorite is singular. But then when I'm asked favorites, I never have a singular. So like, who's your favorite parent? My favorite parent? Yeah. Your mom or your dad. Who's your favorite? That's mean. Right. But that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> for if someone asked me, who's your favorite child? <sighs> I can't have a favorite in that. And... Well, you probably do in moments. Oh, I mean, everybody has moments of favorites. More so moments where you're like, this is not my favorite. Yeah. Dealing with this, working through this is not my favorite. I think we like to pretend that favorites aren't fluid. Yeah. But I do think that they're very situational. Um, You know, my favorite favorite music right now, I told Zach as I walked in, because I've been listening to Strictly Reliant K for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, are they my favorite band ever? No, but are they my favorite right now? Yeah, because that's what I've been listening to. Yeah. So I don't know. Favorites like this stupid thing that I hate and it's hard to define. Yeah. And I never want to talk about. So favorites can be silly. Well, not silly, but just they don't really matter. Favorite movie, favorite book, all these things. But what about when it's people? You know, when when have we played favorites with people with relationships? Has that been good? Has it been bad? And maybe there's good and bad to that. Yeah. Um, when we think about the concept of best friends, we're saying that somebody in our world is our favorite. Or when I choose to marry my wife, I'm saying she is, to some extent, my favorite. And so those are good. How can those be bad? You know, I think that's what James gets into is when playing favorites uh, is actually a bad thing in some ways. In the moment in which... I see people who are like me and I only pick them. And when there's people who I don't really want to be around or don't want to associate with, and I choose to treat them differently because they're not what I want. Yeah. James draws this, he draws this picture of uh, this party going on and this person that walks in that looks the part, that is dressed really well, has the right jewelry. I don't know what they wore at the time. I don't know. So maybe like a really special robe. It was, yeah, they had headdresses, mm-hmm. cramp, big crowns, halos. Maybe he had sandals and everyone else they was barefoot. Big peacock feathers usually on the <laughs> neck that would go up behind. I think you're making that up. Uh, I think it's from Fifth Element, probably. Oh, I don't That's know what, what I that see is. in my brain. It's a good movie that, oh. I mean, don't take my word. Anyways, this guy walks in that uh, is just like looking the part, just nailing it, just... Everyone can tell he's legit. And uh, and so the, the response of the person putting on the party is to give them, that person, a really nice, special seat. What, what kind of person do you see as that person? Because I've got mine that I can think of right yeah. now. Like I mean, the older guy, he's 60, and he's got long hair, but he keeps it good. He's got good facial hair. He rides a really good Harley and he wears nice jeans and has good shoes yeah. and arm tattoos. Mine has a name. Yeah? Yeah, it's Brad Pitt. Okay, well, Brad Pitt. <laughs> Is that your, are you doing an impression? Sure. All right. <laughs> uh, no, like, uh, See, yeah, just me, people you're like, drawn to. More like Johnny Depp for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I, I think he's They're all celebrities. I mean, well, it's easy to put celebrities in that box, mm-hmm. uh, or the grosser word is influencers. Influencers. Yeah. yeah. What about the other side? People who I know that I'm like, 
it's really hard for me to want to be around these type of people. Well, I experience it all the time. Like in the coffee shop, you'll have somebody sit at the bar and you'll strike up a conversation with, and then you'll have somebody else sit at the bar. And for whatever reason, you don't, or you try not to sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And like, what are the, what are the differences? A lot of times it's, relational right like you're gonna recognize and invest into somebody that you have established relationship with yeah um but that's not always the case either yeah i think i wonder if james is painting a picture here that they would have known the poor the poor were very common Hmm. Uh, the way that poor people lived in this time i mean there were poor people everywhere outside the temple courts begging Jesus even says back in the Gospels at a point where a woman breaks this expensive perfume over his feet. Some of the disciples get mad. He's, you know, why didn't you sell this? Judas, actually. He's like, why didn't, why didn't this get sold so the money could be given to the poor? And Jesus says, the poor you'll always have with you. They knew who poor people were, and they knew who rich people were. And I think he's making a point that you know who the poor and the rich are. You've got to treat them equally. In the kingdom, they're the same. Uh, yeah. There's no difference between them. And you're judging based on outward appearances. Yeah, words that are used are things like discriminated or the message version uses the, which I think as an American, I feel very intensely, the word segregated. Um, and how in that moment, there's they're essentially saying, you know, you are wealthy, you belong here, you're poor, you belong here. Mm-hmm. And letting those things differentiate. Um really affects relationship. Yeah. And prejudice in the midst of that, even if it's not a separation per se, even if it's an internal, like, I, I really like being around this person. I don't really like being around that person. Not to say we have to choose to be around everybody or choose to develop friendship or depth of relationship with everybody, but why do I say no to the people I say no to? Why do I so easily say yes to the people I say yes to? Uh, what, what are the prejudices that I do have in place that keep me from pursuing a little bit deeper relationship with some people and automatically allow some people into a relationship that maybe I shouldn't be pursuing this deeper relationship with? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it requires a lot of self-reflection, right? Because uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to speculate what the impact of those things have been on my life. It's even hard to like think of moments because I think a lot of times prejudice and bias to a degree is, uh, it's subconscious. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and the only way to overcome that I think is to try to become more conscious of it and, uh, make decisions in, you know, in James world where he's writing this, uh, the, this bias or segregation or, uh, what is the other words we use? This prejudice, essentially, that we're talking about. Um, I think it was actually done for safety. Like, your nationality, where you were born, like, defined a lot about who you were. And, uh, you know, your faction was warring with the other faction. You are either Roman or you are Jewish or whatever else at the time. And, uh, and so there was, like, this requirement to, like, being prejudice of a different person was actually a form of survival and safety it was kind of what was expected we look at the the story of the good samaritan jews and samaritans it was just expected that 
they don't do things together. You don't see them talking with each other. You don't see them interacting well. Uh, they know, oh, I'm a Jew, you're a Samaritan. We're not supposed to interact. And yet Jesus breaks that mold. He tells a story about that mold being broken. Um, yeah, it was very expected. I kind of imagine it to be maybe as during the start of the civil rights movement in America that, I mean, it was just expected that like, oh, people of color, they have this area to do life. And people who are white, they have this area to do life. And growing up in that, you're like, oh, yeah, this is just what we do, right? Yeah. Prejudice is something a lot of times that we like, no, I'm, I'm not prejudiced. Like, why would I want to hate somebody? I can't be prejudiced. Yeah. But it is subconscious. And I think being ignorant isn't an excuse to keep being prejudiced. I think we have to learn where we have our blind spots. Um, one definition that I found of prejudice that really kind of like summed it up for me was preconceived opinion that's not based on reason or actual experience. So we've got this opinion that's probably based on fear. It's probably based on misunderstanding, ignorance, even if it's not willful ignorance. And so our job is to not just like, I don't have prejudice, I don't have prejudice. I'm going to treat everybody the same. Our job is to find out like where we have prejudice, where we have ignorance even, and to figure out why it's there, get away from it, to like grow our views, to see people better, um, and so I know that, I, I don't know, but I assume as James is writing this, it'd be really easy as these people who are in the midst of persecution, who are facing uh, a lot of hard things are really easy to want to keep outsiders outsiders and keep insiders insiders. And so even though it's a different framework to say like, oh, they're poor, but they're also an outsider. I'm I'm not going to let them be part of our group. I'm going to show favoritism to the people I know and the people who look like me. Uh, and Jesus flips that upside down. Actually, serve your enemy. Actually, as the Good Samaritan, take care of the person who culturally you're not supposed to be spending any time with. Yeah, I think that was like even before Jesus, we um, the norm of... The ancient world was that every group had their own gods and uh, your success over somebody else proved that your God was better than their God. And God and Jesus starts to flip that on the head, starting at Abraham, when God tells Abraham that his, his offspring will be a blessing to the world, that the avenue of true relationship with God will come through. Uh, through him, through and ultimately lead to the person of Jesus, that uh, the Jewish God wasn't just the God of the Jews, but the God of the world. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that we see that theme repeated over and over again throughout the Bible and Deuteronomy um, It says God shows no partiality. So uh, he was the God of the Jews, but not just the Jews. Uh, they were supposed to be essentially a tool um, and we have like a million scriptures and we're going to have to cut them down or summarize or something. Um, but there's just like a million examples of, of God saying, yeah, I'm for you, but I'm also for everybody else. And I guess you can go all the way back to the creation and how God created humanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's in his image and all of us equally are God's image. And so being able to recognize that in each other. Uh, if you don't know how to, if you have a 
honest prejudice or bias against a person or a type of person, I would encourage you to go back to Genesis, go back to the creation, understand your own identity in God. And uh, I think that'll reflect forward other people's identity and who God is. If we, as the church uh, Christians, if we were to time travel back to the time of Jesus walking around on earth, uh, most of us in the corner church world are not Jewish. We don't have any Jewish heritage. There's a few of us. They're better than us. Yeah, they are better than us. But (sighs) if we were to travel back to then uh, and we were to interact with the Jewish community, we actually weren't part of the Jewish community. I mean, we, we were Gentiles. We were the outsiders. Mm-hmm. And to see this theme throughout the New Testament play out that uh, God shows no partiality in the sense that even the Gentiles are invited into this covenant. This story in Acts 10, if you get a chance, read Acts 10. It's a pretty amazing thing that happens where Peter has this vision and God's showing him how he's about to be inviting the Gentiles into this covenant that for hundreds and hundreds of years was only set aside for the Jews. But this new covenant in Jesus' blood was for everybody. And uh, Peter has this vision about these animals and all these unclean animals that God says, now they're clean. I've made them clean. Don't call anything impure that I've made clean. And then he goes to this person's house and they were just talking. And uh, as I think... This guy had the same vision or something. You got to read it. (laughs) But yeah, Cornelius, he has this moment where he was praying and this angel essentially appears before him and says, call Peter to your house. He's going to come be your guest. And then Peter realizes, because I think Cornelius was probably not a Jew. Peter's like, wow, okay, now I realize it's true. God doesn't show favoritism. He sent me to your house. This is an amazing message. And um, it's a pretty long story, but really worth reading. And just it sums up this amazing theme that God's favoritism doesn't stop with the rich person. Uh, he looks at the poor person as good or or as more than the rich person sometimes. Um, which, going back to Genesis, the garden... God sees us for our created value. He doesn't see us for our external. Jesus, we go back to our Matthew series. I mean, everything was about inside, the internal. What's going on inside our hearts? Don't worry about what's going on outside. What's actually happening internally? And that's where God is like caring about things. That's what he looks at. That's what he sees, the condition of our hearts. Yeah. If the outcome of the condition of our hearts is to love our neighbors, to do good in the world, to partner with God and whatever purpose, dream, passions, put your, put your whatever label you want. Um, but you're living with prejudice and bias, which I'll go on record saying, I think every single person has and every single person, uh, has to work through it. Um, and I don't even know if there's an end a lot of times, but, uh, those things, can severely impact what God wants to do in you. Like if you live in a neighborhood of a bunch of people who you don't have good thoughts about, why? How? How are you going to be able to serve them, love them, care for them? How are you going to invite them to know who Jesus is? Um, it impacts those things, and 
the first step is is confronting those things. And so I hope through this conversation that we can begin to kind of confront our own personal prejudice, our own personal bias that we have. Um, it's not an easy process. Yeah. It um, takes time. But it starts with being honest about where you're at and uh, inviting God and inviting other people into the conversation. So I think this conversation that we're going to have on Sunday is very important. Um, I don't think this conversation is going to go away anytime soon. I think it's the same conversation that James started writing about in James 2 and uh, has been a conversation ever since. And uh, yeah, that's all I that's all I got today. Yeah, if you get a chance, uh, just to even test your own like, do I really have prejudice? Do I really have biases? Um, there's quite a number of tools on uh, the internet. If you just do a Google search for implicit bias training, um, I think it was Harvard that yeah. worked out quite a few of these tests, and they, they are really insightful. They they really work with your subconscious to really help you figure out, oh, I have this bias, even though it's not something I'm aware of or try to have. It's just an unconscious thing. And to really start to learn where do we have bias that maybe it's a blind spot. Uh, there's also this exercise called the circle of 10, I believe. Um, you write down 10 people that you trust and then there's these categories that you'll kind of go through in a list and mark off which categories they fit into it. This exercise is great to help us to see the people that we are closest to, that we trust the most. Uh, are they often people who look like us or think like us? And statistically, they are. We, yeah. we really trust people who look like us and think like us. And, uh, we don't often allow what we would consider outsiders into our close circle. And just being aware of that and learning to invite the outsider into a relationship with us, to do life together with the person that we were like, wow, I don't really have much in common with you right now. I don't really know you. Um, there's a lot that's different between our lives, but I think we can share commonality. And the end goal being that, yeah, we would be able to live in a way that we share Jesus love with people who, man, they look so different from us. And uh, I feel challenged by that all the time because it's really easy for me to stay comfortable just hanging out with people who look like me and think like me. <laughs> um, so as we jump into this, Chapter two, I want this to challenge me and challenge our community to look outward. There's the body of Christ is large and the kingdom of God is large. I mean, every tribe, every tongue, every nation represented in the body of Christ. And uh, it would be a shame if we just stick with the people that we look like, people yeah. that we think like. Yeah, we'll be doing the Circle of Ten on Sunday. So if you're around and you want to come be a part of that, we invite you uh, at to any corner coffee location on Sunday, we'll have uh, service options. Um, and then uh, if you're not able to make it, uh, we can put uh, put it in the comments. Put it in the comments section. <laughs> if you reach out, send, shoot us an email and uh, you can reach us through our website. Um, we can send you a PDF version of that or something if that would be helpful to you. But. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for watching the first time. Thanks if for you, watching. If you watched on YouTube, yeah. and, uh, we will see you guys next week.